Hello, and welcome to the premiere episode of Let's Talk About It. I am your host, Diddy Sky, the D-I-D-I-S-double-K-Y, and I am beyond, beyond excited and grateful to finally give birth to this project that I've been working on for so very long. It is finally here and I am before you. Listen, I created Let's Talk About It as an Instagram live feature during COVID. I was trying to figure out a way and figure out some, some things to do in terms of connecting with my audience. And so I created the Let's Talk About It podcast and placed it on my Instagram live. And now we are here. We have a wonderful platform and show for you today. I am so excited. Yes. Welcome, guys. Thank you all so very much for joining us. But I would not be able to do this if it weren't for my co-host, the voice of God. Give it up for Major. Hey, what's going on, dude? How are you? I am doing okay, but I'm not nearly as good as you look today. Wow. Well, you know what? Well, thank you. You know, she's oh, doing nice. a little work here and there. All right, all right. How are I'm you good. feeling? We are finally oh. here. You know, we worked on this for a, quite a, a long time, you know, and we're, we're finally at this point where we are bringing an awesome program to our viewers. How are you feeling right now? I am feeling tremendous, if I can say that. Um, you know, it's really, it's really good feeling to see something you work on come to fruition, and in this, in this exact moment, you know. So honestly, I miss a lot of stuff going through my head. I'm kind of fanboying right now. You know, I've got DD Sky in front of us, and we just we're gonna make this thing happen. That's right. But you know what, guys? You know, don't let Major fool you. He's trying to be uh, low key slick behind this emoji here that means that he can actually say any and everything and get away with it all he is is a voice of god you just hear his voice so y'all will never know who he is i'm gonna try to get away with it because <laughs> you know you know twitter will find out who i am where i live and what my favorite uh, appetizers are so you know it you know social yeah. media will do exactly that but listen guys let's talk about it is a one-of-a-kind program it is a vehicle, a tool just for you. What makes it different from any other podcast is that you are able to engage with us. So we want you to make sure that you provide your comments, questions, concerns. This is for you. You know, you're having relationship issues. Well, let's talk about it. Sex might not be so good. Let's talk about it. Trying to figure out how to pivot in your career. We're going to talk about it. All of those things and much more from wellness, health, entertainment, sports. I'm going to enlist all of my friends, rather they're professionals, um, influencers, all of my dear friends. And they may just be some folks that I know. Why? Because I think that we can learn from everyone. Everyone has an opportunity to pour into each other and share nuggets that will just help us be better people. So that's the great part about Let's Talk About It is that we get a chance to hear from everyday people with stories to share. So glad that you are here with us today for our premiere show. Yay! I'm over too. You are going to be engaged, entertained, and enlightened with this show. So you want to make sure that you 
Follow us on Facebook. You can follow me at DD Sky on my Facebook page. And also, if you are following us right now on my YouTube channel, let's talk about it with DD Sky. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Listen, call your family, call your friends, tell them to join on in and get with the program right now. And you know what? I forgot to mention the fact that I am a media professional. I've been doing this for over two decades. I've been in TV and radio broadcasting. Um, so I'm not just come some fly-by-night um, personality just coming before you. I come before you with experience and credentials. So <laughs> that's my favorite buzzer. Major knows that. That is my absolute favorite buzzer. But listen. You know, again, chime in. We have an amazing, amazing show for you tonight. Woo! My guest, I am just beyond super excited. I'm beyond ecstatic um, to have my first guest here with me. Um, he is someone who has gone through quite a bit. You know, life has unexpected twists and turns. There's highs, there's lows. There's triumphs and there's tragedies. But my first guest went from the mountaintop to the valley. And from reading his book, Off the Grid, I am confident that he would probably also say at some point he felt like he was in hell. So through his faith, his family, his fortitude, and a pardon by former President Donald Trump, he is now free. This is episode one of Let's Talk About It, the rise, fall, and redemption of former mayor of Detroit, Kwame Kilpatrick. How you doing? How you been? I am wonderful, and I am just so grateful that you are bringing this exclusive interview to my premier podcast. So again, thank you, my friend. It is so so good to see you. Thank you, and congratulations. I see the trunk up elephant in the back. Oh, you do red hair. I see you flying them colors up in there. Uh -huh. and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on what you're doing i know it's been a long time coming but uh you were headed here the whole time and so i congratulate you on being uh right here this is where you're supposed to be in this space own it do your thing thank you thank you so much let's jump right in and again viewers we want to hear from you during the, this is for you this platform is for you this is a vehicle and a tool for you to communicate so we're here for you. We want to hear from you. We're not just talking heads. Kwame is here to answer those questions that you've been wondering about for many, many years. He's here. So let's go ahead and jump right into this conversation. Kwame, tell yeah. us what it was like to grow up in Detroit. You know, people know about the mayor. They know the middle of your story. But tell yeah. them the beginning of your story. Well, you know... I I mean, I'm, I'm biased, of course, but I don't believe that there's a city in America like the city of Detroit. 
Um, you know, it's an 80 plus percent African-American town. And from the biggest mansion in the city to the smallest shack, there's a black man and woman living in that house. And so we had, Detroit is, is, is you know, it gave uh, the world wheels. So it's the, it's the automotive capital of the world, GM, Ford and, and Chrysler. Then you also had the Motown sound. So we grew up, even though that was the 60s, we all knew the Temptations and the Four Tops and Diana Ross and Stevie Wonder. And then Detroit had this other vibe. It was just this, this cool kind of laid back, you know, this is this soulful vibe in the city of Detroit that, that really pushed, I believe, young black kids, little chubby black kids like me to believe that they could be anything they wanted to be. You know, we had a black mayor, Coleman Alexander Young. Uh, we had black architects and engineers. As a matter of fact, little known fact, um, Detroit had more black architects, more black engineers, more black doctors, more black dentists mm -hmm. than any other city in America. And so mm -hmm. when I grew up, I saw everybody from the street cats and the gangsters on Linwood and Dexter all the way to doctors, lawyers, politicians and everything else. So I could see the full realm and plethora of the black community in the city of Detroit. And it was just my home. I couldn't imagine living anywhere else, couldn't imagine being anywhere else. I just wanted to be a Detroit and was happy I was that. That's right. And so um, you mentioned being able to to see um, a plethora of, of people there, your politicians, your um, community activists, your parents are politicians and community activists. Tell us about being in a household with parents like that, you know, with the ability to be able to make change in your community. Yeah, my, my mother and father, they came, came out of the 1960s, you know, Black Power Movement. My mother had bracelets and big Afro. And uh, my name is Kwame Malik, my sister, Ayana Monifa. You know, we came out <laughs> uh, uh, really on some Black is Black is Black time. Mm -hmm. But my mother and father also were grassroots community leaders who then ended up running for office. My mother ran for the state house when I was like eight years old. My father ran for the county commission when I was about 11 or 12. Uh, both of them won those positions. My mother spent 18 years in the state house and then went on to Congress for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And then my father was in um, the Wayne County government for about 10 to 12 years and he went on to the executive branch in Wayne County. So politics was in my blood. I was knocking on doors and doing phone calls, phone banks. Uh, going door to door, talking to people about campaigns from the time I was eight, nine years old. By the mm -hmm. time I was 13, 14, I could run a whole campaign operation myself. So it was something I was born into. And my parents always had that street activism that made me want to engage brothers and sisters in the neighborhoods and the places in the city of Detroit. Right. So now, because you grew up in that atmosphere, did you have a passion or career aspirations to get into politics? Is that what yeah, you want? Yeah. You're an attorney by um, educational trade, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that I, you know, when I was 10 years old, fifth grade, uh, Fairbanks Elementary School, shout out to Fairbanks. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I won a contest, a, a black studies contest where the winner got to go meet uh, then Mayor Coleman Young. So it was, mm -hmm regions. I won my regions. A little chubby Kwame and his mama. We went up to the mayor's mansion. He shook your hand and he said, you know, some words to you. But when I got there, he leaned over, shook my hand. He said, hey, big fella, one day you could be mayor. And I said, wow. We took our picture and left. Well, when I got into the car, I told my mother, I said, man, did you, mama, did you hear what the man said? She said, yeah, I heard him, baby. He said, I was going to be mayor. 
And she said, that's what, he, that's what he said. I said, yeah, he said I was going to be married. So from the time I was 10 years old, Didi, I was telling people I was going to be married to City of Detroit. It was my dream job. It was everything I wanted to be. I didn't want to be president. I didn't want to be governor. I didn't want to be uh, any other thing except mayor of the city of Detroit. And that's what I thought I would be the whole time. So I was just, you know, I went to FAMU kind of waiting my time. I went that's to right. school, waiting my time. I was at law school at Michigan State, waiting my time. And so everything was pointed at being in politics my whole life. That's right. And so you mentioned FAM. Yeah. You decided to attend an HBCU. Yes. Why did you attend FAM University? And what was that experience like? That was the greatest thing that ever happened to me in that time in my life. Uh, you know, I was um, playing football in high school. I was being recruited by the schools around Michigan, Central Michigan, Bowling Green, uh, Toledo. And I took those visits. You got five official visits. And I went to Bowling Green and Central Michigan. And then my third visit was Florida A&M University. I'd never been to a black college, anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard about the black colleges, but I said, let me take it. My, my father's best friend, his name is Josh Giles. He actually was a basketball coach down in Bartow, Florida, Polk County Community College. And he sent my tape to a coach, Coach Highsmith at Florida A&M. And they called and they flew me down there. I walked on the campus, literally. This, me and my father, we got from Tallahassee Airport. We drove right. There was a basketball game. Uh, family was playing Bethune-Cookman. Oh, and we went into the, to the, we got there at halftime, Didi. Mm -hmm. And uh, the band stood up and they played that Dougie Fresh. Dun, 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 dun. I said, what the, what's going on? And there was a, dun, 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 dun. I said, oh yeah, I'm coming here. I'm going here. Right. <laughs> Five minutes. This is what I want to school. My father, me, you probably should come here. No. <laughs> No more college tours. I this need to is go else. This yeah. right here. I ain't seen a classroom. I ain't seen a locker room. You don't, don't know, know what studies they have. No, no, they went to the shaking. Yeah, shake and can on in there. I said this, this, this one would be right here. They played Dougie Fresh. The band played Dougie Fresh, and the yard was off the chain. And you was like, off This the is off the chain. I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. We didn't have a black college in Detroit. I didn't know I heard about black colleges. I saw school days, but to be in that atmosphere at that time, I was overwhelmed in five minutes. I said, this is where I'm going to be, right here. That, and you know I can absolutely relate, you know, <laughs> as a graduate, yeah. uh, alumni of the Alabama State University in yeah. Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, that's the horny like thing. You was out there dancing in the <laughs> horny thing. <laughs> I was out there shaking You better know it. So I can absolutely relate with you. So thank you so much for bringing us, you know, full circle. Um, and so now let's dive a little bit deeper, Kwame. Yeah, Attorney, state representative, mayor. And then inmate number 426390. I don't know what number that was. But how did we get here? You know, um, when I came, I was the first um, African-American leader of the Michigan State House. I was the youngest person ever had that position, the youngest person, uh, um, and the first black person, the youngest person had that position. And from there, I ran for mayor. Mm -hmm. I ran for mayor in 2001. I won. Uh, nobody expected me to win but me and a, a army of folks who were just like, we're doing this right here, right now. We won. 
And Detroit had so many issues. And because I wore that city on my back, I wanted to solve them all. And we went out like gangbusters. There had never been that much development. There had never been uh, that many streets repairs, homes built, uh, that many um, large venue uh, activities and destination events like the Super Bowl and the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. But I was also blew up to about 320 pounds, stressed beyond my imagination, and really lost contact with what was important. I was just running the city. I, I, I didn't spend as much time as I needed to with my young, my children, uh, my then wife. Um, and those are not excuses. These are things that I talk to people about now when I go around the country, man. What are you doing in your life? We know that you can articulate the greatest things in the world in politics. We know that you can run and be an executive in this corporation. We know that you can uh, you know, take apart the uh, cyclical economic nature of whatever community you're in. But uh, what, what is happening with your character and your integrity and your fatigue, your, you know, your commitment to God? And so uh, I didn't have any of that. I just wanted to make the city better. I wanted to build hotels, you know, reintroduce mm-hmm. Detroit to the world. Mm-hmm. And I actually, because of a little pride, a little self-righteousness and fatigue, I lost my way in that position. Okay. And it allowed space in my life for a whole lot of devils to come in and me to act on all those new people in my life. Uh, I was cheating on my wife. I was uh, I was out. Uh, I didn't get that. Could you try again? Uh, Siri stepped into that, man. Well, I mean, yeah, Siri stepped in. Siri's Um, but that's what happened. And then eventually I lied about under oath, mm-hmm. um, a lawsuit, um, a typical city lawsuit. But for the first time, I, we know now that it was all a setup. But uh, for the first time, because cities get sued, you know, thousands of times a year, they attach the mayor of the city's name to a lawsuit. Well, for one suit in particular, uh, a judge forced me to do a deposition and um, testify at trial. I hadn't done that in the previous thousands of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. But I would say 60 seconds changed my life. Mm-hmm. I sat down for a deposition. Uh, and um, I mean, I sat down on a trial. Actually, it was trial. And at the end of my testimony, I've been up there 45 minutes, nothing. The last 60 seconds, he said, are you having a, an affair with your chief of staff? Mm. And I said, no. You're not having a romantic relationship. And I said, no. And I answered three questions, and I lied about those. Okay. It came out with text messages, showed that I was lying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to resign from the position and in shame and in shambles. Uh, and that started a downward spiral where it allowed the feds to come in and do whatever they wanted to do. And now I had a state case and a federal case. Uh, and it, it just ended up, I went to state prison and federal prison. Wow. That's how I got there. Yeah. Um, wow. So much, so much to unpack here. Uh, one of the, one of the pic- the pictures that we showed, um, you were sharp. You you were actually known as the hip hop mayor, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a lot um, of years ago. A lot you, of years ago. You did a lot for um, Detroit. And, oh, man. But you had a lot of relationships as well, like you said, bringing in, you know, some key events, making Detroit a very attractive place to be. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you actually lived up to that moniker as the hip hop mayor, you were the youngest mayor as well. 
I think, you know, uh, in Detroit proper, they made the hip hop mayor Monica negative. They used to have uh, in the papers, me would go pictures, depictions or cartoons of me with gold chains and, mm-hmm. and gold teeth. And uh, it was really not only negative, but really racist. Um, mm-hmm. But I think around the country, it had a ter- tremendous impact, not just in Detroit, but on the politics of a whole lot of different communities. You know, I met and received letters even when I was in from young people who were mayors and ran for the state house seats and and that that saw what was happening in Detroit with me and wanted to be a part of that in the in the body politic in their particular communities and states. And so I think I did have a great effect. And also on the community in Detroit, everything you see now in Detroit, from the riverfront to campus marshes for the housing development, uh, the retail and commercial development, Hotel Detroit hadn't built a new hotel since 1989 before we got there. We built seven in five years. Mm-hmm. And so that tremendous growth and, and, and momentum in Detroit, it started with a team of people during the Kilpatrick administration. And so, yes, I believe that uh, we had a great impact, not just on our community, but mm-hmm. other communities where you have some dynamic young people around the country who are not so young anymore, but they started to really go out there and, and, and take some territory back. Uh, from the devil in their communities. And so a lot of people um, have questioned, I know in conversations that I've had, um, why didn't you just come out and and say that you were having the affair or did that question come to you at a point where you just weren't even expecting it so that you wouldn't be in uh, in the perjury situation? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, hindsight is better than 2020. You know, you answer it like a typical dude. You know, yeah. you, you you don't think about all the ramifications. You don't think about all of that. You just, um, you answer it, uh, a fear and not being called. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's something that, um, you know, I'm, I, I hate that it happened to me and my family, but I'm glad that it happened in a sense that um, I can talk to somebody else about the same thing um, as I talk with men now. And I talk to them about what they're doing in their lives. Um, you know, a lot of us as men, we believe, we truly believe that nobody knows what we're doing. We're so smooth, we're so cool. Mm-hmm. And, we're and it's it's so good that people have my story. So when I go in, I can talk to them about one lie, um, being exposed can ruin everything. So it's time to come clean, uh, be honest, be upfront. And so it's um, it was tragic that it happened, stupid. Um, I mean, crazy, but I'm praying and, and, and I'm seeing now that it helps somebody else become better and more than they're being right now. Okay. And again, listen, guys, this conversation is for you. I've had quite a few people to comment in my social media when I announced that you were actually going to be my guest. And they said, are you going to ask him this question? And are you going to ask him that question? And I said, well, you get on and you ask them yourself. Yeah, come on in. in. So, you know, again, place your comments so that we can address those comments, those um, concerns, um, and your feedback. So we want to hear from you. Kwame, this book, Off the Grid. Yes. Now, you've written two books. Yes. Um, Off the Grid is Off the Chain. I'm literally speechless, and I have been since I started to read it. It's one of those books, guys, that um, you know how when you watch a movie and you talk back to the to the screen, to the TV, when something happens, no, don't run it now. 
uh-uh, you had to be kidding me. I was like that reading this. I was literally on the plane at one point saying, oh, heck no, absolutely not. This could not be true. What? Those were all of my reactions as I, as I read this book. Um, why is it important or has it been important for you to share your story? Um, I believe one of the things, and I, I like the questions that are coming now, that's good because I think people, you know, are so misinformed. Mm -hmm. um, and so that'd be good. You can talk to the horse's mouth. The, um, right. the, um, the book, there's no ghostwriter in the book. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that book as I was going through. Um, it's just really um, the first, the very first chapter and the very last chapter that I wrote after I got out of prison. And, and I think that um, it's, it was important for me to journal that some kind of way. I, I really didn't think it would be a book when I started. Mm -hmm. I just started to write what I was experiencing and what I saw. And I arranged it in a book later. Um, but I, I don't believe that you go through those experiences just for you. Mm -hmm. um, but just looking outwardly, I mean, I'm, I have five sons. Mm -hmm. and I want them to understand the mistakes that I made, the tragedies that I was involved in, the tremendous stupidity that I engaged, but also some of the triumphs uh, over disaster. And mm -hmm. so uh, to write about that, to write about the depression, to write about um, the victories. And, and so all of those things culminate into a real human experience. And I think it'll help somebody else. Um, you know, those are my, those are my boys right there. That's the big fellas. Uh, and that's Lay on the right. And, mm -hmm. and, and I have a new son, a king, who's 11 months. And so mm -hmm. all, of, all of that just poured into the pages of that book. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what, you know, I wanted to give back to the people that were close to me to say, hey, this happened to me. Um, but inside of that place, uh, I got free inside before I walked out. And, and this is how mm -hmm. this is what I was going through. My son Jelani asked me one time when I got out, I guess I've been out a month. And he sat in, it was just me and him here in the house. And he said, um, you know, dad, can you talk to me about what you really went through? Wow. And I handed him the book and I said, read that. And then let's talk about some, some specific questions. And so it was just good on that moment. And mm -hmm. then he read the book, which was a trip. And then we've just been kicking it about that. Uh, and that was, that was one of the things that, that gave that book. That's why I think people feel it. If you start it, you're going to finish it. Yeah, Absolutely. You're going to turn Absolutely. the page. It's a page turner. Um, we have, we do have a question from Greg. Um, Greg says, have you completed paying restitution to the city of Detroit? Explain that's that. That's a great question. Um, because it's, it's something that they wave in Detroit's faces all the time. Um, when I left, uh, when I uh, started trial, um, I'm finished paying restitution to the city of Detroit. Um, and I, and, we, we can discuss why that is. Um, when I first came to trial, they said this case was about hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And then they said it was about 33 million. At the beginning of trial and opening statements, after telling people it was about 100 million or 33 million for three years, opening statements, they came up with a figure that this case is about 9.6 million. Mm -hmm. Well, in closing statements, they said, no, this case is about $4.7 million but they changed all the definitions. I don't have a single charge or conviction of stealing any money, of misusing any public funds, none. 
I don't have any uh, of, of taking no city money, all the stuff that's typically with what they call public corruption. I don't have a single charge. They charged me with a RICO. And underneath the RICO, I ran a criminal organization to give contracts to mostly my friends that benefited. That's what the charge was. Every single contract that was in my case was done on time, on budget, and is serving the city today. Every single one. understand the restitution when I was convicted was 4.7 million because they said that was the loss for the city based on the contracts that my that my co-defendant Bobby Ferguson got that the city had to pay more for those contracts because he was on them. Not because nobody took no money, not because no money was missing, but they they had this equivocation that ah, because he was on the contract, the city had to pay 4.7. I filed against that. The appellate court totally eliminated the restitution. And then they went back to the judge and said, we need something there. There had to be a placeholder for 1.5 million to keep me in prison. So they came back and said, the new restitution amount is 1.53 million. They said that was the actual loss. Now we've gone from 100 to 33 to nine to 4.7. Now they say this whole case that got me 28 years is about 1.5 million for one contract. 154 million contract because my uh, co-defendant was a subcontractor on the city water department, water department had to pay 1.5 million more for the contract. And that's what I owe. The judge hit the gavel. That was the restitution. But then she did something. She said anything that's forfeited from my co-defendant, Bobby Ferguson, in terms of property, equipment and whatever, it will go to pay, it shall go to pay the restitution. It took over $4 million from that man. And so they have not applied that $4 million to the 1.5 restitution. And that's all I've been asking. So now they come up with a new figure. They say that I owe $193,000. Now, if you got to go through this whole thing, you understand now that the restitution is only keep, keep some hook in me so Detroiters would think, we still got him. He got something from us. And it's really bad how they manipulate the people in the city around this issue when the 9 million, 4 million, 1.5 or the 193,000 is not going to serve you in any kind of way. It's not about restitution. It's yeah. not about stealing. It's not about taking money. None of that was in this trial. But it's mm -hmm. something to keep you enslaved so you don't take control of your own city. Wow. Um, well, one comment says, and I can't I think that's just from Jay. I'm just going to say from Jay. Um, he was made to be a scapegoat, totally biased. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's read a little bit of your book, Kwame, excerpts from your book. I, if, again, if you can see this, I have pages bent back. It, you guys have to read this book. Um, but it's from the beginning of it. It actually says, um, locked up in isolation, I struggled to accept the very real possibilities that this might be how my life ended. Alone, abandoned by all but few people who mattered most and who could do nothing to give me relief in that moment. I learned, I leaned on my faith, but with each passing hour, death seemed to draw near. Yeah. Amen. That was I think that um, sitting in a solitary confinement cell on um, on a cement floor laid on the back 
of a real metal bunk, not a bed, was the first time in my life that I honestly contemplated suicide. That I honestly contemplated not being here anymore. I'd never been to that place before. I wasn't a depressed kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any depressed men. And by the grace of God, I know a lot of people go through some horrible childhoods, you know, adverse right. childhood experiences. And I, I just didn't. I had a good childhood. Um, but when I was sitting in that box, uh, the first time being locked up, nobody coming uh, in, a, in, a, in the hole. It, uh, it was a profoundly heavy experience. And I believe that everybody else, this is the trick of of that enemy that's that mm-hmm. suicide enemy is is that everybody else would be better if i wasn't here anymore mm-hmm. the noise was starting to affect me in a way where i believe that the noise was correct and whatever was going on inside of me uh could not fight it anymore and so that's what i was talking about right there and you know i wasn't thinking about my children and and you know sometimes we have friends and and family in a moment's notice, they do that. If they could have just lived to the next moment. Mm-hmm. I was a suicide counselor in the prison system for years. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would sit in the suicide tank with the person that was talking about committing suicide. And my whole goal was just to get them to make it to the next hour. Just the next, yeah. And then the next two hours. Mm-hmm. And then the next day they'd be sitting there like, man, I was tripping, quiet, man. But they was trying to do it and kill themselves in a moment. And I experienced that. And that's what I talk about in that section of the book. And because you experienced that, do you believe that that was why you were able to pour into someone else? Um, Because I certainly believe that we're overcome by one another's testimonies. Absolutely. Um, You know, empathy and and compassion sometimes grows out of shared experiences. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, I would have never been able to talk. I used to think people that got to that point, man, they crazy, man, they need to just cheer up. But when you are feeling and experiencing and thinking that kind of profound weighty loss, it's it's a tough experience to handle. Um, somebody here was saying, you know, um, you know that that the scapegoating. Well, let me not go all the way to that place. I appreciate that sentiment. Yet, you know, but there were some severe character issues and integrity issues that I brought on myself. And so when you're sitting in a box like that, it's the condemnation and guilt of yourself that gets to you. You know, we can fight other people. When other people are against you, you can kind of get yourself together to fight. But if it's you attacking you is when the really profound weight comes in. And so um, that's how I'm able to, to minister and talk to other people as well and have compassion for their stories. You know, some of us, we dump on somebody who strung out on heroin and we can't stop eating cake. It's somebody that got a heroin problem and you, it ain't nothing, but we sitting around and can't get to the gym. Mm. Our only problem is we eat too much and that person is suffering inside. So to understand that kind of suffering, sometimes you would have had to experience it yourself. Mm, That's right. Um, We had another question. Uh, This is from Daryl and he asked, do you regret getting the billion dollar loan to support the Super Bowl? That seems to be what doomed the city into bankruptcy among a diminishing tax bracket, which was deemed predatorial lending. Um, there, I didn't. I have no idea what you're talking about, there. I'm talking about none. Um, I didn't. You know, I have a billion dollar loan from Super Bowl. I don't know where that information comes from. Um, we didn't do a billion dollar loan for the Super Bowl. I, my contribution to the uh, Super Bowl was for the city. 
So we raised about $40 million from the um, community around, not in loans, but in gifts. And we did all of Campus Marshes. We did all the new lighting. We did all the new streets. We repurposed mm. all of the underground utilities. We had nine pe- nine different departments working together, creating what you see as cr- Campus Marshes there. So a billion dollar loan, no receivership for the city of Detroit had nothing to do with a billion dollar loan. I don't know where that came from. The receivership from Detroit came with the upside down pension system. Mm-hmm. Detroit in 50 years ago had 20,000 workers and you know a million or something people there. Um, and then that got inverted. We had 15,000 workers and only 700,000 people. We had far less people paying into the retirement system. So the retirement system uh, eventually was upside down. And to actually meet the need of the retirement system, that's the city decided to go into receivership. I didn't think that was the right thing to do, but it was a larger plan in place to bring people in to take over your assets. So I don't know where you got that uh, information from. That's a, that, that's just wrong. That's not wow. true. And that's why you're here today to set the record straight on some of these uh, you know, the, the street talking out there that has been incorrect for all of these years and Detroiters and people of the cities who have felt this and, and felt these, you know, this way. Um, Kwame, this man, I, there is so much in this book um, that again, I have, have left me basically speechless. Uh, however, the one of the, the key parts of this book is your explanation of what you went through with your attorney and your inability to force him to recuse himself from your case and how the judge actually refused to remove him from your case. Yes, it was. uh, And and I want to say to all the brothers and sisters who go through this out there, you've been talking about these court appointed attorneys for years. uh, Mm -hmm. And you thought that people with big names, we got a different experience. We didn't. Um, Your attorney works for them. You need to understand that. Your defense attorney is part of the club of the federal prosecutors, the judge and the defense attorneys. They all kind of work together. Every now and then, you have a maverick that will take them on. But those people uh, are special and unique. They're out there. And and there's there's some in Detroit but and there's some in your city. But you got to look very hard to find those people. My, My particular lawyer represented a witness against me at the grand jury and coached him through his testimony to do me in. I didn't find that out until I just happened to be studying um, the discovery material about two weeks before the trial began. And the guy on the stand kept saying, can I ask Mr. Thomas, can I step out and ask Mr. Thomas a question? I didn't think anything of it when I saw it. My, my lawyer's name was Thomas. Right. So I just called him and I said, hey, hey, man. Um, did you represent such and such at the grand jury? I don't have to tell you about that. I hung up the phone. I was in Dallas living at the time. I took off uh, to Detroit, uh, uh, confronted him, um, almost went to jail, uh, went to the uh, courtroom, <laughs> went to the court, tried to see the judge. She wouldn't see me. When I got to the meeting, and I talk about this in the book, they were all on the same team. I was representing myself in a room with, with this guy that had a huge conflict. Well, I then find out, and this is this is just real quick, that there's a civil lawsuit, RICO lawsuit, that was a companion case to the criminal case. So they wanted to criminally charge me, and they also wanted to sue me in the city 
for $54 million in a companion case. So on the criminal case, I was on the third floor in the federal building. They were fighting at the same time on the eighth floor, the civil case. My lawyer who represented me that I kept trying to get fired, he was defending me on three. His law firm was suing me on eight. That's against every rule. And it's continued. Is even possible? It's I, not even possible. Not Everybody has looked at this and said it's, and then she would not throw him off the case. And this is the crazy part. The civil RICO case, which went on till I was in prison, I represented myself and I beat, I won. I got it dismissed with some, without prejudice. I won that case fighting it myself. And that's what I wanted. All he needed was to get a conviction in the criminal case, and it was supposed to bring them $54 million on the civil side, and I was able to win and fight it. And so it's just the craziness of this case, the craziness of this, you know, I really want to talk about this criminal justice system, but do it in a way where I remove myself from any responsibility, um, but do it in a way where I want to show the fairness so we have equal access to justice, not equal access to prison, Equal access to justice. Um, you just had um, Hartford, Connecticut, the mayor there, um, longtime mayor. He had this, got convicted under the same public corruption um, statute I was, same crimes, actually more money in his case. The judge gave him 65 months, five years. Why? She said because his public service is worth something. So we have to start to talk about equity in this stuff as well. That's right. My goodness, I hope that you guys are tuned in, locked in, call a friend, call your family members. They should be listening to this interview, this exclusive, because, again, if the streets have been talking all this time, you should have some clarity and some understanding as to what happened. Uh, Levi Q says, what would what would share as a testimony what would have done? Uh, oh, what would you have done differently as a mayor? And this is, this is, this is, I, I just, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. Bishop Jake said that as tenaciously and as focusedly as you are developing your acumen, whether that's in business or politics or law or medicine, also with the same vigor, the same tenacity, develop your character, your integrity, because your gift can take you to a place that your character could take you from. So if one thing I would do as mayor, people say, oh, what would you, I couldn't build no more buildings, fix no more streets, build no more houses, bring no more. I, I did all that as Detroiters. I did all that. The problem was I wasn't developing my character at the same place. And I would have spent more time with people on the character end, which is why I do it now for other people. I can go to a man now and he could tell me how good he's doing in politics. And I could tell him, man, you're cheating on your wife. And that's what's going to bring you down. Mm, wow. and, and, you know, I know you could do all this stuff, but can you stop cheating? That's, that's the issue. And so if somebody would have been talking to me straight like that, I'd have did much better. And so that's the one thing I think I, can, I, I applaud these folks. I just saw Charles Stanley uh, passed away uh, in the last few days. And he used to say, just be obedient to God and leave the results up to him. And that's kind of how I feel. I feel mm -hmm. now that I wasn't connected as I should be to any kind of solid rock moral foundation. Mm -hmm. And that is the problem. If you're in a position like that, you can go awry, even if you have the gifts to be able to perform the job. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so.
So you had the big head. You were a little arrogant with it. Nobody oh, absolutely. Tell you nothing. No, no. Let's get it in. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it done. It was a. It was more of a. This is my only thing I need to be thinking about. Mm. Um, Jelani, Jalil, and Jonas are were a part of my role as dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a wife. Um, I had family, mom, dad. One of the things me and my mom had to talk about in the prison visiting room was how I spent less time with her. And that was my girl. Mm-hmm. I just didn't take time to do anything else. I was just being the mayor. And uh, those of you out there who are tremendously gifted, you pouring everything into this stuff. Life is too short. It could be snatched away from you. Make sure you're spending the time balancing that out with faith and family and good, solid relationships. Because when I got in that cell, I found out I didn't have as many friends as I thought I did. So a lot of people that I was spending time with, I ain't seen them since. Wow. So it's important for us to start balancing our lives. God has gifted me with a a new wife, a new baby and all this kind of stuff. But hey, I had to spend a lot of lonely nights. I had I had no visits for a while. Wow. Wow. So you, a, were, you were pardoned um, by Donald Trump. Are yeah. you now supporting the Republican Party? <laughs> no, I uh, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat either. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I call myself radically independent. Um, okay. I think I think we we do a disservice uh, and we uh, as a community, any community, um, but particularly ours in the, in the African-American or black community, mm-hmm. we're continuing to line up with one political party. We tripping. We really are tripping um, because we don't give ourselves any leverage in the body politic. Politics is a contact sport. We don't play. We just vote. Y'all don't play no politics. You don't you don't you don't bully. You don't push. You don't you don't uh, create majority uh, to to move policy or appropriations your way. You kind of just vote when they tell you to vote. Take what they say. They put it on the commercial. They tell you to hate Kwame. You hate Kwame. They tell you to love Biden. You love Biden. You don't even know nothing about this dude. So it's for me, it's 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 not about Republican or Democrat as much as it is what perspectives and positions do you have and which team is moving that agenda forward right now. And that's the way the Jewish community and the Asian community and the Mexican community, the gay community, interest groups community are doing. And it's except us. We kind of line up behind everybody. Now, Donald J. Trump, I'm thankful to him. I, I want to shake his hand. I have not yet. Uh, I've talked to Jared Kushner, but I have not talked to the president. I definitely want to shake his hand, man. Tell him thank you. I don't know. All y'all could be mad at him. That's cool with me, too. All I'm saying is when I was in a hole, he came and got me. Mm-hmm. So y'all got to give me the space. Right. Uh, man, hey, thank you. Uh, my son say whenever you get in touch with him, we coming, too. So Absolutely. I, I understand that. That doesn't make me want to be Republican. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I also had a question from a social media post inquiring about you speaking at a conservative conference or something, yes. explain that and tell us why you dis- decided to actually speak at this engagement. Um, the head of the Family Policy Alliance is a guy named Craig DeRoche, who is the former speaker of the house in Michigan. So I worked with him for years. I was democratic leader, he was the speaker. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Then he went from the speakers and he went to prison fellowship. 
Um, Prison Fellowship is the largest reentry um, um, organization in the world. They're, they're all over the world. And from that position, he started having meetings with Jared Kushner and the president and started working to get me out of prison. So we're going to start with that foundation. Okay. So then he goes to the Family Policy Center Alliance, and they're talking about issues pertaining to criminal justice. Right. And he asked me to come and talk about those issues. Mm -hmm. I'm available to go anywhere and talk about issues where we can start pulling people together and building coalitions around getting fairness in this system. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to say no to somebody because they're Republican. Y'all got to cut that out. Stop it. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the artists cheering for some of these Democrats. I worked with them my whole life. I was on the Democratic National Committee. Man, listen, they don't care nothing about you neither. Y'all cut this out, man. It's just it's too much. Y'all, it's, it's all this, we like this person, hate this person. Listen, if a person is going to help you get to the place where you, first of all, you got to have an agenda. Right. What's your agenda? Right. I mean, if, if you want to get something, there's a coalition of people that can come together. Some of them going to be white. Some of them going to be Mexican. Some of them going to be Republican. Some of them going to be black. And we start putting. So when they want me to come and talk about criminal justice, we need more Republicans on our side if we're talking about ending all of these nonviolent life laws. You can't do it with Democrats. The Democrats had the House, the Senate, and the presidency and didn't run one bill. Mm. Trump so was there. He ran the first, he ran the first step back and got over 4,000 people out of prison because he said that's too long. They need to get out. Mm -hmm. So you need somebody with a bully pulpit. It's not about the party, it's about who we're supporting to build the type of coalitions to get more people out. And I saw the memes and the lies. I mean, y'all cut it out. It's just, it's ridiculous. Let's start working together so we have permanent interests. And most of our stuff is being co-opted by people who don't care nothing about you and your community. They just care about you voting Democrat. Good stuff, Kwame. This is Kwame Kilpatrick. Get it right. Get it together. Question, Kwame. Um, do you feel like you've let people down? Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, um, it took me a while to get over that part. I told you in the beginning, um, I didn't really want to be anything else but Mayor Detroit. And, and you know, I, at both elections, I won my first election and my second election in Detroit with the majority of the senior citizen vote. It wasn't just young people. I won senior citizens, people over 65. So I always felt like I let down my grandparents. Mm. I let down the people who actually kept the lights on in that city when everybody was dogging it. Um, I let down the people that had hope and faith for something coming that'd be better. And so, yeah, it was hard. It, when I tell you it was the most difficult thing was to get over that. It wasn't the unforgiveness of the system. It wasn't the unforgiveness of a judge or a lawyer or, or people who testified. The biggest thing I had to get, get over and try to get to forgiveness was forgiving myself oh. because I didn't like to let people down. I had to look my sons in the eye, you know, and talk to them about I had an affair and, and I betrayed your mom. And uh, I had to look my mother in the eye and say, these things are happening right now. It's just so, yes, it wasn't just people far off. It was people near. And that's mm -hmm. something many of us have to engage in life. And after a while, you have to get to the point where you can come clean and get it up off you so yeah. you can start living again and let your fruit from that repentance speak for itself. Mm. Sisters in Motion ask Mayor Kilpatrick, and they still refer to you as the mayor. That's right. Uh, mayor Kilpatrick, what advice would you give a current city leader? Um, I think the best thing is to understand 
Um, well, it's twofold. In the job, um, to understand the economy of your city. Mm. Understand where your city gets all of its finances to do everything that it needs to do for the people that you represent. Mm-hmm. Don't just be a politician. Mm. Be a tactician. Be a strategist. Mm-hmm. Understand how dollars come in from Washington and how they come in from your state capital. Mm-hmm. Understand the pool of things that are available for you to be able to effectively and efficiently deliver service to people. Because you can get up there and talk all day, but can you cut their grass? Mm-hmm. Can you fix their street? <laughs> can you keep their water on? And that's the thing. The basic city services is what get people. I don't. They was calling me everything but the child of God. And I was out there in the street, just arrogant, like you said. They can't beat me. Mm. <laughs> and I mm. knew people wasn't gonna let them do that. And so that's understanding. And then the second thing is, um, take some time to always find the center of who you are. You are not. You, your title is mayor. You are not mm-hmm. that. Who are you? Right. Always constantly reevaluate who you are in a position. You're 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 your son's dad. You're 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 your wife's husband. You you're your mom's son. And in those roles, there still has to be some balance and understanding that the mayor is the job that you do and what you walk in and what you commit a lot of time to. But it can't be the primary focus of your being because it'll get you off track. And so mm-hmm. those two things with professional and personal, I think that somebody has to do as a city leader, you got to understand your city. And most people don't. Mm. So you've written the book. You've told your story. Can we look forward to a movie? Um, I hope so. Yes. I've been contacted really? several times. We haven't found the right, right one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very careful not to get portrayed as the gangster man and get stuck in that time period forever. But yeah. I believe that the story is one of quite, we could have been did that story. I think that yeah. the better story is um, the human story and the human toll and to tell it right uh, and to deal with all the politics and money and That's interest right. groups that went into this story. You oh, know, yeah. I, a quick one, you know, we had the Super Bowl coming to the city of Detroit and the NFL committee was flying me. I was on the NFL committee. So I was going to the different Super Bowl sites and I was speaking in different places. And uh, we had 16 murders in a weekend. And it was like maybe two weeks before the NFL final site visit was coming to Detroit. And it like 16 murders. There's two of these games were going at it. And we had 16 murders. And I got a call from the NFL, like, what's going on? And I said, well, listen, we had an uptick by blah, blah, we're gonna get our arms around it. Um, and we had a couple more murders that week. They were kind of off in each other. It was terrible. And so I had to go and meet with two guys that were ahead of these two particular to the gangs. I had to go talk to them, get it. Hey, man, who was such and such? Who was such and such? I had to go talk to them and really talk to them about, hey, man, listen, man, your mama, man, they go to, I mean, I went to, the, to them and told them, you're not going to have, we're trying to reintroduce our city to the world. We can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And they stemmed that thing. And we didn't have any of those cases for almost two months after the Super Bowl. Nobody knows what mayors really do. They Mm -hmm. see them kind of talking on mics and stuff like that. But, you know, from the trash to the level, man, you got to talk Mm -hmm. to people. Mm -hmm. And I always say this the hardest job in America because 
you know, when you Barack Obama, you do one thing. But if you a mayor, you got to talk to the bus driver, the bus mechanic, the guy to ride the bus, the people standing for the. I mean, you got to know. Where they are. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Wow. Well, oh, this was good, Kwame. But you know, before I go, you know, I'm always I play too much. So uh -oh. you know, I, I got to have you play this game for me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh oh. You getting you getting ready? I'm sweating already. Let me see. <laughs> the okay. game is called Don't Think About It. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. I like that. Dun, dun, you know. Um, Thank you, uh, Major. Listen, so Kwame, we're going to lighten the load. We had a wonderful, wonderful conversation. We dive deep into um, your experience, your trials, your testimonies, and now we're going to just have a good old time. All right. Don't think about it. Okay. So the way this works is that I'm going to shoot you out a couple of questions, and you have under a minute to provide a response. Go. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, Major, are we ready to start the clock? Okay, I guess we are. I haven't heard from you, Major. You didn't say anything, but I guess we're good to go. Ready to go. Seafood or soul food? Seafood. The Temptations of the OJs? Oh, the OJs. <laughs> Mary Mary or the Clark Sisters? Clark Sisters. Easter program or watch night service? I'll be tired of watch night. Easter program. <laughs> you say you tired at watch night service? I'll be woe out in there. Wear sandals in Detroit the entire winter or a turtleneck in Miami all summer long? Uh, well, I'm wearing them sandals. <laughs> I'm going to be sweating. Conducting or chickens? Oh my God. I don't listen. Anything but productive. <laughs> I like how you squeeze that one in. That's good. I like to squeeze that one in. Oh my gosh. Favorite place in the world? Um, South Africa. South Africa. And <laughs> if anyone, if you could select the person to play you, who would it be? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know that. That's a good question. Me. Hey, man, I have been acting for a little bit. I had really just started taking acting classes on YouTube, bro. Because oh. I, now I just want to come in because he, since you don't know, bro, I really have been uh, started acting on YouTube. I have been starting my classes, man. I also been taking singing lessons on YouTube. So if you want to make it a musical, oh. man, I'm really, really willing to get in there and go hard for the role, brother. That's I just okay. want to chime in and say that. So ask me the question again, Didi. Ask me that question again. Okay. Yeah, please, please ask him again. If you can select anyone to play you in your movie, who would it be? Major. All right. Think over your offer, bro. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I don't know if I have what it takes to bring it to the road, but I'll, I'll consider it. I'll consider Thank it. You. Thank I'll, you. I'm sure you do your best. Listen, Kwam, <laughs> this was an amazing premiere you were an awesome awesome first guest and i i'm just super excited you know um for all the things that you have in store for you um 
you deserve it. You deserve the good things. Um, and those good things have come, like you said, in the package of a new wife and a new baby. Congratulations on all of that. Um, tell everyone how they can stay connected to you, how they can follow you. And I, I should have asked before we even started, should I address you as pastor, minister, or what? Because you now are ministering the word uh, with yeah. movemental ministries. Ministry. Yeah. Well, first, just let me thank you, Dee Dee, and uh, congratulations on launching your show. You know, it's, you know, it's always hard to step out. You know, but once you out there, that's when you really start to do, know that you can really swim. You could do this. And so I'm looking for mad success. And I'm just happy I can go back when you're doing all that and winning all the awards and got all the endorsements. But I was on the first show. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. From your mouth to God's ears. That's right. Ain't no question. And then how you can follow me. Um, we're on um, YouTube. Uh, we are Movemental Ministries TV. You can see our ministries. We have Bible studies every Friday morning. Yeah. I'm preaching somewhere uh, most weekends. And then on Tuesdays, my wife and I do a show called Truth Topics Tuesday. Y'all come on in. This is how you can support us uh, in our ministry. It's Movemental. Uh, we launched here in uh, Marietta, uh, here in, right out here in Atlanta. But we're about to move. Uh, the ministry now. So we're in a transition phase. Uh, we have some opportunities and we're about to go and 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 we'll let you know about that. And so uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm the real Kwame Kilpatrick on both Instagram and Facebook or Movemental Ministries on both of those as well. And so y'all come on in. We'd love Absolutely. to be a part of the conversation. Absolutely. Now for clarity, are, is your... Um... Your, your ministry, is it virtual or do you have a brick and mortar? Are you in person now? We're now virtual. Okay. Um, we're going to have a, a brick and mortar announcement pretty soon. Okay. Um, and that's why I said we're moving from Georgia. So, um, and, you know, and getting on our way to, to, to do what God told us to do. So right. uh, we were holding services here in an actual building, but now it's time for us to go and get our own. And we're about to do that now. Well, again, thank you so very much uh, for joining us tonight. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on with us, Kwame. And again, I wish you all the best, my friend. And that's right. I've said it. He is my friend. I can say that. And I am not a fair weather friend. I'm going to stick beside you. I'm going to hang in there with you. So, um, and, and then speaking of movie, I also have you know taken some acting courses and i feel like i would be a very good representation of your mother oh good that's good to know that's hot now that's a powerful role now yes that's, uh, you know you know we y'all you just trying to keep that delta huh i Listen, see what's come on oh, detroit boy. that's how you're going to do your boy yeah that's good that's good that's <laughs> You Did know, you see I, just I, I was just trying to see if Broward County could come up to Wayne. I ain't know, oh, you know. <laughs> I got to get some JPE, some jam ponies. Thank you again, Quam. It was right. such a pleasure. And you take care of yourself. I'll right. see Thanks, you again. Hey, congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Woo! Oh, my goodness. You guys, I am just so, so grateful. I'm so grateful and so honored. And oh, I'm a little major, I'm a little speechless. I'm I'm slightly emotional here for that yeah, experience. Yeah. For that was that was incredible. 
That was that incredible. Was and, I, and, I'm back here on the boards. I almost forgot to keep working because I was so into the <laughs> I was so into what was going on, man. I almost man. got caught slacking. Man, but you were yeah. on it. And you know what? Um, again, such a blessing to have um our viewers and engaging. And that is absolutely what this platform is all about. Let's talk about it. Let's let's get cut through the rigmarole and all of the hearsay and gossip and rumors. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth. That's let's talk about it. This is the platform, the vehicle, the tool, the opportunity for you to ask questions, to engage, to be entertained, all of that. I I really, really like the don't think about it. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was dope. He was, was, was a champ that. on that one. He was a champ yeah, on that one. we had some pretty good engagement today. Um, you got Lave right. I got one comment I didn't get to. Lavisha Jackson wants you to know congratulations to everybody involved with the podcast. Oh, wow. She will be tuning in regularly. And that's Please that's do. pretty awesome. Please do. And like yeah. uh, Major said, tune in regularly. We will record live every other Wednesday. Um, so the next podcast will air on May 3rd at 6 p.m. So I'm not going to announce my guest just yet. I have a few in queue, which is a great thing, um, but we definitely will. So make sure again that you guys follow us. Uh, follow us on Instagram. I am at Didi Sky, the D-I-D-I-S-double-K-Y. On Facebook, same thing, Didi Sky, D-I-D-I-S-double-K-Y. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube page um, but again, you know, it, this is a jam-packed podcast. We're going to entertain, engage, and enlighten. Um, we're going to inform and educate. Uh, but this is a part of the entertainment side of it. Um, Major, before yeah. we go, I, the streets are talking. So we need to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, the streets are talking. Well, they are talking. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok has been off the chain since the announcement of YouTube's documentary on Freak Me, the night. Oh, my goodness. I have kind of heard something about this. Um, before, so I, from what I understand, people are freaking out. Yes. People are freaking out. And I, I guess rightfully so. So I guess this was in like the 90s. It sometime was. in the 90s. Well, listen, you know, I did contact my um my legal team and my, my manager and PR agent. Uh shout out to Alex and Icon Management. <laughs> Didi, no. Are you in the are you in the are you gonna be in the documentary? Didi. What? Are you in the documentary? Oh my gosh. Listen, I I better not be in the documentary. I don't think I revealed enough to be in the documentary. But okay. let me just say this. Let me just say this. I did engage in Freak Neat. I was in college at the time at Alabama State. Uh -oh. I heard about this thing happening in Atlanta. So my girlfriends and I decided, and I'm not going to name my girlfriends because, you know, we, we have families and jobs and careers and things. And so... Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention their names and incriminate them. However.com, <laughs> um, we came to Atlanta and it was a major traffic jam, hodgepodge of a whole bunch of nothing happening on 8575, completely shut 
down. All mm. that, it was just people playing music, getting out of their cars, you're meeting people from from California, from North Carolina, from Miami, from this school, from that school. And you're just, you're really just having a crazy good time. It was just off the chain. Now there were granted a couple of, you know, people did get a little loose and funky, fancy free, you know, but they should have been able to live that life and not have this life. major no this post was was um streaming on all of the social medias it, it literally it was a hot topic yeah, and okay. everybody was talking about the comment below where the person said can you please delete this it's my it's mom my mom my right. goodness okay. okay well first of all Sheka should not be and i'm not that's i'm not it's not her name i just made that up okay um she should not have this picture circulating on social media right now because of Hulu, but that's not the issue. My issue is Officer Friendly with his hands on her, the back of her butt cheeks, and he's posing with the APD car. Look at look at his partner in the background. Right, my man is serious. <laughs> Yikes! Yo. Did oh, I didn't know they they had emojis back then? They, we didn't even have cameras back then on camera phones. We did not have camera phones. So I don't understand how these images are circulating now, but people need to listen. Close your memory books. Don't bring. I'm not really concerned because I had on clothes. Um, but, you know, my friends and I may have done like some uncompromising. But, you know, the, the look back at it pose. You know how you. Okay. The old school squad look back at it. What yeah. what do you what do you guys have to say about this? Like I know there are some comments out there. Have you been caught in an uncompromising position at Freaknik? Or better yet, according to Luke, Freaknik has nothing on Daytona Spring Break, Black Beach Weekend. Daytona Spring Break, okay. okay. In the 90s. Okay, I went twice, but you went twice. <laughs> Didi. You're gonna be in that film, Diddy. <laughs> oh, Diddy. I went, I went twice, and I shall not reveal the names of, okay. of my parties who were with me. However, um, yeah, I would definitely have to agree and concur with Luke that Daytona Black Beach Weekend in the '90s has nothing on Spring Break. But nonetheless. Um, I was listening to one of the radio stations and they actually had a guest on who was extremely nervous about this Hulu. Um, and you know, there's a lawsuit happening um, with this Hulu issue as well, um, this documentary. But they were really concerned because she said that she is a, um, she's the first lady of a mega church. And she's nervous that some, you know, some, she may be caught up in some of these pictures or images. So, you know, um, how do you feel about that, Major? Do you feel that if your girl or if your uh, first lady of your church was bent over like Sheikah, like that, um, in the police car, and you looked and you said, oh, that's my, is that first lady Smith? Like, uh, how would you? Know you what? Honestly, I don't, I don't think I would be able to deal with that. 
I think you you need to tell me what's going on. If if you know, okay, let's put it like this. I, I'm pretty sure that Shika, we just gonna call her Shika for fun, but I'm sure that she had no idea or she didn't have the foresight to realize social media was gonna be a thing and that this stuff would resurface, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that no female or male, because you got officer touching grass. Officer friendly there. None of them knew that That's this would be. Yeah, none of them knew that this would be a thing in the future. But uh, if if you know that this is coming out, you better you better disclose it to me because uh, I don't know if I can handle that. But yeah, you said they had a lawsuit. Jumping. The nineties. So if your girl came to you right now and said, you know, I may have a little cameo appearance in the Hulu, you would feel some kind of way about it. Uh, a little embarrassment, if I had to be honest. I'd be embarrassed. I mean, it's a little late now to to to. To get kick her out or you know, kick her you know, out. We got a family and the whole nine, so you know. Oh, I'd have to explain that to the kids. I would have you, to explain that. You know what they say: every saint has a future, and every every how, how does it go? You know, oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Every saint, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Yeah. Are those the crickets? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys, I just want to thank you again for joining us. The premiere of Let's Talk About It with your girl, the D-I-D-I-S, double K-Y, D.D. Sky, and my co-host, the voice of God, Major. Give it up for Major, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, oh, something else just came through, and I wanted to show it off. Um, you got uh, E.B. Ross, Everyone Has a Pass. Everyone I'm going to assume that's past. Um, oh, you meant everyone has a past. Like back yeah, they were trying to help. I think they were trying to help you with the, the that same. Is, that is um, absolutely correct. Jenlyn <laughs> <laughs> uh, says, you are such a, you are a natural, great show and very informative. And this is my favorite comment here. Uh, you got, you got, uh, I don't know if you guys are reading this properly, but this one is kind of speaking volumes to me right now. It's saying that, uh, Major is sexy. Now, only thing I would really uh, say about this comment is I think that it you're missing the word so. Major is so sexy. But you know uh, what, Major? Other than that, other than that, Dee, Dee I really uh, thank you, Deborah. Thank you. And she also gave you a little bit of love too. So don't feel like Deborah left you out. She said, "Good oh, job, Dee Dee. Great job." Virtual, virtual girlfriend now. Yeah. Oh. Well, you know, I just. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, guys. Again, listen, it's going to get even bigger, even better. This platform is for you. So tell your friends, call your family, tell them about Let's Talk About It with your girl, the D-I-D-I-S, double K-Y. And again, I can't say it enough. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can see all of the updates, all of the promotions. Don't forget to also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at D.D. Sky, the D-I-D-I-S, double K-Y. Major, tell them how they can follow you. Well, uh, as long as it's not following me in person, D.D., because I don't like that. Don't don't do me. Uh, Go follow me at Designed by Major uh, on all social media platforms. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I think I'm on TikTok now, but uh, uh, Twitter, I be tweeting. Um, oh, yeah, check us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dita, I'm gonna get out of here and let you shut this thing down. It has been a pleasure hanging out with you today. Guys. Well, again, I am grateful. Thank you, Kwame. Thank you for coming through. 
showing up for your girl and showing all the way out the exact way that I knew that you would. You are definitely a jewel, and I'm so honored and grateful to be able to call you my friend. That's going to do it for this first episode of Let's Talk About It. I'm your host, Beauty Sky. And before I go, you know what I say. Go for your goals. Reach for the stars because the sky has no limit. I'll see you next time. Good night.